on Audio, the podcast for writers and all who are interested in books, literature and the printed word. Write on Audio is the weekly companion podcast of Write On Magazine and the Write On suite of publications from pen to print. Subscribe by searching pen to print in your favourite podcast app to have new editions delivered to you each week. Write On Audio listener contributions, sharing your writing for the world to hear. Our listener contribution this month comes from Jenny Tingwei Zhang. Jenny is a Chinese-American author originally from Changchun, China, but now based in Austin, Texas. Her debut novel, Four Treasures of the Sky, was a New York Times book review editor's choice and reviewed in the Washington Post, Publishers Week, and on National Public Radio. Here's Jenny to read an extract for us. Hi everyone, my name is Jenny Tinghui Zhang and I'm the author of Four Treasures of the Sky. Since this episode is about beginnings and endings, I thought I would read from the very beginning of my book and it is actually the first thing that I wrote for this book, the very first thing I started with as I wrote this story. I know some authors begin their books by writing from the middle portions first. Some authors might write their endings first and work their way backwards. But for me, happily, this was a very straightforward book in terms of writing. And the beginning that you hear is the beginning of it all. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy. Part 1. Zhifu, China, 1882. 1. When I am kidnapped, it does not happen in an alleyway. It does not happen in the middle of the night. It does not happen when I am alone. When I am kidnapped, I am 13 and standing in the middle of the Jifu fish market on Beach Road, watching a fleshy woman assemble whitefish the shape of spades into a pile. The woman squats, her knees in her armpits, rearranging the fish so the best ones rise to the top. Around us, a dozen fishmongers do the same, their own piles of fish suspended in nets, squirming. Below the nets are pails to catch the water sliding off fish bodies. The ground is glossy with water from the ones that are not yet dead. When they flail in the air, they gleam like silver firecrackers. Someone yells about Red Snapper. Fresh, they say. Straight from the Gulf of Petili. Another voice tumbles over that one, louder, brighter. Real shark fin, boost sexual potency, make skin better, increase energy for your little emperor. This is poetry to the house servants who came to the fish market for their masters. Bodies surge in the direction of the shark fin voice, knocking and grinding for the promise of a promotion, of rank advancement, of favorability. It could all rest on the quality of shark fin. While the others clamor, I remain staring at the fishwoman, who continues to rearrange her pile. Her fish are not in a net like the others, but laid out on a tarp. At her shuffling, loose fish slide down from the top of the heap to the tarp's edge, where they remain vulnerable and unattended. Hunger presses against the walls of my stomach. It would be so easy to snatch one. In the time it takes for me to approach, grab the fish farthest from her, and sprint away, the woman would barely be able to rise to her feet. I finger the silver pieces in my pants before letting them fall back into the lining. 
This money should be saved, not wasted on some limp fish. I would just take one or two, nothing she could not make up the next day. The ocean holds plenty. But by the time I decide, the fishwoman has noticed me. She knows immediately who I am, sees the gnawing in my belly, an insistence that hollows all the things it touches. My body betrays me. It is as thin as a reed. She recognizes what she sees in all the urchins who dare slide into the fish market, and before I can look away, she is in front of me, body heaving. What do you want? Her eyes are narrowed. She flaps at me, hands the size of pans. I duck one, then two blows. Away! Away! she yells. Behind her, the whitefish wait in their pile, glistening. There is still time to grab a few and run away. But the rest of the market has noticed us by now. I saw that scamp here yesterday! someone shouts. Grab him and we will give him a good whipping! The fishmongers nearby roar in agreement. They emerge from behind their fish and form a barricade around me and the woman. I have stayed too long, I think, as their shoulders lock against each other. There will be a lot to explain to Master Wong if I ever get home, if I am still allowed to stay at home. Get him, someone else yells gleefully. The woman lunges forward, hands outstretched. Her gums are the color of rot. Behind her, the fishmonger's faces fatten with anticipation. I close my eyes and brace. But what I am expecting does not come. Instead, a pressure descends on my shoulder, warm and sure. I open my eyes. The woman is frozen, her arms outstretched. The fishmongers inhale together. Where have you been? a voice says. It comes from above, the color of honey. I have been looking all over for you. I raise my head. A slender man with a large forehead and a pointed chin smiles down at me. He is young, but he carries himself with the weight of someone older. I have heard tales of immortals who descend from the sky, of dragons that turn into wardens who turn into human forms, of those who protect people like me. The man winks at me. You know this scoundrel? The fishwoman pants. Her arms now hang at her sides, red and splotched. Scoundrel? The man laughs. This is no scoundrel. This is my nephew. The fishmongers around us groan and begin to disperse, returning to their unmanned fish. There would be no excitement today. Red snapper, red snapper, the first voice offers again. But the fishwoman does not believe the man, I can tell. She glares at him, then at me, daring me to look away. Something about the man's hand on my shoulder, the calm heat of it, tells me that if I do, we will never leave this place. I continue to stare back at the fishwoman, unblinking. If you have a problem, the man continues, you can speak with my father, Master Ung. And just like that, as if the man has spoken magic into the air, the fishwoman looks away first. I blink one, two, three times the backs of my eyelids raw. I am so sorry, Brother Ung, she says, bowing. So dark in here, and the fish are making me lightheaded. I will send Master Ung my best fish to make up for this terrible mistake. We leave the fish market together, me and this tall, winking stranger. He keeps his hand on my shoulder until we are both back on the street. It is midday, and the light from the sun casts everything into greens and gold. A merchant walks past us with a sow in tow, her teats swinging. 
We are in the foreign business center of Jifu's Beach Road. Over the tile roofs and the British consulate, a rush of green fields swells toward faraway hills. The cotton roar of the beach is at our backs, the sea breeze one long exhale around us. The air here is rich with salt. Everything clings to me and I to everything. I have come because there is always something to be found here. In places where foreigners roam, I find silver pieces, embroidered handkerchiefs, dropped gloves, the frivolous things with which Westerners garnish their bodies. Today brought two pieces of silver. They jingle in my pocket next to the four pieces I earned from Master Wong. Today, I could call myself wealthy. In the daylight, I inspect my strange winking man. He feels rich, but he is not dressed like the other rich men I have seen. Instead of a silk changshan, he wears a white shirt with a shiny fabric dangling from his neck. His black jacket is heavy and open, instead of buttoned to the neck, and his pants are tight. Most odd of all is his hair, not braided into a queue, but shorn and cropped close to his head. What do you think, little nephew? My savior says, still smiling. I am a girl, I blurt out. I cannot help myself. He laughs. The sunlight reflects two yellow teeth. I think of tales where men have yellow teeth, how those teeth grew from pieces of gold. That I knew, he says, but being a boy worked out better for us both in this case. He scans me, eyes bright with intent. Are you hungry? Are you here alone? Where is your family? I tell him, yes, I am starving. I am eager for him to show me his mercy. There are things I want to ask him too, like, who are you? Where did you come from? Who is Master Ung, and why did the fishwoman back away so suddenly when you said his name? Let me tell you all about it, he says, placing his hand back on my shoulder. He suggests noodles. There is a good shop just down the street. Something tells me that this invitation is not one to be taken lightly. I nod and offer him a shy smile. This is answer enough. He steers me farther away from the fish market, and we stroll down the street together, passing the post office, three more foreign consulates, and a church. Passers-by stare at us before returning to themselves, momentarily stunned by this odd father and son duo, one dressed like a character from the theater, the other wan and skittish. Behind us, the ocean froths. With every noodle shop we pass, I ask my savior, is it this one? With every noodle shop we pass, he says, no, little nephew, not quite yet. We keep walking until I do not know where we are anymore, and by the time we are done walking, I understand that we will never arrive at the noodle shop. It is the first day of spring. Thank you to Jenny Tingwei Zhang for sharing this extract with us. We'll share more information about Jenny and her work in the show notes for this podcast. We're always delighted to read your contributions. So if you'd like to see your words in Write On or hear them on this podcast, please get in touch. We'll share this link and all others mentioned in today's podcast as part of our show notes. I've been Tiffany Clare, and you've been listening to Write on Audio. Write on Audio is produced by Chris Gregory, and it's an alternative stories production for pen to print. This podcast is supported using public funding by Arts Council England.